You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm chapter 95, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. Verse number five, the sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Brother Dan, before you go too far, I need you for a second. Brother Dan uh, started to share in the early service. I didn't tell you about this, did I? He started to share in the early service. They were on vacation last week. And uh, they went to church. It's a good thing to do when you're on vacation, right? You go to church. And uh, could you tell us, Brother Dan, last Sunday, how long the service went? Started at 11, right? Tell, come tell us about that here. Come tell us. Just tell us about how long. Don't tell us the name of the church. Just tell us. So after, we didn't get out until after 1 o'clock. Did they have a potluck or a fellowship? or Just, a, just like the singing and the preaching. Yes, sir. Wow. Aren't you loving church a whole lot more now? All right, thank you, Brother Dan. And the reason I had him say that was because I actually do have an hour and a half message this morning, and I didn't want you to think we were the only ones that had long services. But uh, uh, Brother Dan was telling me about that the other day, and uh, I've been in some of those. Uh, I've been in some of those services that I thought would never end. And um, I've, been, I've been in some funerals like that, and uh, I thought if... This thing doesn't get done soon. There's going to be another one or two because it was long. And, uh, but I thank the Lord for church. And I will say this. We don't, we don't come to church to get out and all that. But uh, I hope you always love church. And I hope we don't just come just to show up, just to you know, punch our time card and go home. I hope we get something from it. And I love it. I don't know how much longer we have. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I think it's going to be real soon. And I just want to make the most of every day and every Sunday that we have. Psalm 95, um, I'd like to preach this morning the last message in our series about the rock. We have seen in the Old Testament the passages of Scripture where God is the rock of our salvation. Uh, God is the rock of sacrifice. We saw how that Jesus was a picture of that rock uh, that was smitten. And uh, Jesus Christ, uh, in 1 Corinthians, it says that rock in the wilderness, that rock was Christ. And we know that Jesus Christ is the rock upon which he said he would build his church. 
I'm glad that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone on which the church of the living God has been built. I'm glad we're not building our church on a political party. We're not building our church on an economic uh, uh, strategy. We're not building our church on uh, what's popular or what people like. We're building the church upon Jesus Christ, and he is the rock of the church. We saw the rock of seeing God, and God told Moses, he said, I want you to come. He said, I've got a place for you here on the rock. And while Moses was there, God passed before Moses, and, and Moses saw a glimpse of God. Uh, I hope you've seen a glimpse of God this week. Uh, I hope you've met with him. We talked last week about the rock of the secret place where you get alone with God and you spend time with God. And I hope you've been to that rock. And then we talked about a few weeks ago, the rock of our strength. I'm thankful for the strength of God that never, never fails. Today, I want you to notice in Psalm 95, the rock to whom we sing praise. It says in verse one, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Lord, we love you. I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Give us uh, what we need from this service. I pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to be uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. I pray that we would examine our own lives. I pray that we would be helped. I pray we would be stirred. I pray we would be corrected. And I pray that we would be changed for the glory of God. We pray if there's anyone here today uh, that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, may today be the day of their salvation. I thank you, Lord, for all these folks who have come to church faithfully on this Sunday morning. I thank you for those who uh, could not be here, but they have taken the time to tune in on the radio. I thank you for those who are watching this service online. I pray that you would please uh, allow the truth of Scripture uh, to be transferred and to be, to be preached in such a way that the Word of God uh, would be delivered the way that you have it done. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. The rock to whom we sing praise. Now, verse number one, it says, O come, O come, let us sing praise unto the Lord. Now, I think that you ought to be willing to sing even if you're the only one. How many of you know we're not supposed to sing just because everybody else is doing it? We're supposed to sing because our God is worthy of our praise. By the way, we're not just supposed to sing when life is good. We're not just supposed to sing because everything's going our way and everybody loves us and you know we're on, the, we're on the popular list for this week or whatever. We're supposed to sing because God is worthy of our praise. It says, oh come. Now, I'll, I, I ought to be and you ought to be willing to sing by yourself if nobody else is gonna sing with you. But isn't it a whole lot better when somebody sings with you? Uh, I look at our choir. Boy, I thank the Lord for that choir. I've seen some choirs in my day where there were just a couple people in the choir. And by the way, if a church only has a couple people in the choir, thank God they got a couple people in the choir, right? There's no limit that says you got to have a certain number. But I've seen some choirs and I've seen some groups singing and I thought, oh man, that, that might as well be a solo up there, you know? But it's a whole lot better when you've got people that sing with you. Kind of like if you got a project that you're working on, and it's a big project. Uh, my wife and I, we've been talking. We got a project we're going to be doing this summer in our garage. We got to get our garage cleared out. That should be easy, right? Because that means all you have to do is you have to pull your car out of the garage, and then your garage is cleared out. 
The only problem is we don't park our cars in the garage. We have a lot of other stuff in our garage. Can I get a witness? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Now, to be fair, we have some, some storage things, but our garage is a, a playroom for the kids. Uh, it's uh, our, our dog's home uh, where our dog sleeps at night. And it's just, there's a lot of stuff. And so there's going to be a day this summer that the project is going to be to clear that garage out. Uh, we got to get we got some carpet remnants down. We got to get those out. Those have gotten stained and gotten wet from different things or whatever. So we'll get that cleared out. We'll have to clean everything out. That is not a project I'm looking forward to. That is not a project that I'm going to get up, eat my cocoa puffs, go out for an hour, wrap it up and then go in for lunch. That's not that kind of a project. That's an all-day project. Uh, it's good, and I said this in the early service, that it's good when you got help on a big project. And I'm looking for people that can help me with that project right now. No, no, no. And here's what you would say. Pastor, we'll help you with your project. Why don't you come help us with ours? And you probably got a barn that needs cleared out, right? And you'd be, you'd be happy to have just a little garage to clear out. But here's what I'm saying. It's a whole lot better when we do it together. And here's what David is saying. He says, hey, let's do this together. Let us sing praise. Oh, come. Hey, gather over here. Let's get together. Let's sing praise. Don't you love it when we can all come together to church? Don't you love it when we can come and we can sing praise and we can magnify and we can worship the Lord together? He is worthy of our praise. Number one, I see in this passage, there is action required. It says, let us sing. Singing is action. Let us make a joyful noise. That word joyful noise, it means a shout. Can I tell you, God's people ought to be willing to shout. Boy, we shout about the, the football team or we shout about the baseball team or we shout about the politics or we shout about whatever. It'd be good if we would have some joyful noise, some shouting for the Lord for his goodness to us. We see there's an action to sing, to shout. There's an action to come before his presence. There is an action. It says in verse number six, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I mentioned this on Wednesday night briefly, but in the Bible, you find singing over and over and over again. In the book of Psalms, it's commanded 70 times. God's people are supposed to sing and praise and make a joyful noise to the Lord 70 times. Now, if God tells us to do something once, how many of you think we ought to do it? I do. If God says something 70 times, I'd say God wants us and God expects us to do it. Singing is not just for a certain group of people. Singing is for all of us. Our God is a singing God. God loves singing. God wants our praise. God deserves our worship. The Bible tells us that David was a man who would sing. He was a shepherd. You could say he was a farmer. Uh, David was a warrior. He was a soldier in the army. David was a king, but yet David knew what it was to sing. Moses was the great general that led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was the great leader of God's people, and yet Moses sang after great victories. The Bible tells us the Levites, those that served God, those that worked in the temple, and those that worked in the tabernacle, they were commanded to sing. The Bible tells us the entire nation of Israel was commanded to sing. In the New Testament, the Bible tells us, and in the, uh, the Old Testament, the prophecy is given that the nations of the Gentiles shall sing. Can I tell you, singing is not just for a select group. Singing is for all of us. 
The Bible tells us that Deborah sang. Barak, who was her partner in the war, he sang. Uh, men and women sang. Uh, Paul and Silas were locked up in jail. And they sang. We see that the heart of the widows shall sing. You may be here today and you may be a widow. Or you may be a widower. Or you maybe have lost a loved one. Can I tell you, God can still put a song in your heart. And the Bible says that the heart of the widows shall sing. The Bible says that we, his saints, people that have been saved, people that have been born again, ought to sing. We are to sing praises to our God. The Bible says we should sing among the heathen. Now, it's easy to sing in church, isn't it? But we ought to be willing to sing around people that aren't even saved. Uh, that's one of the reasons I love our radio station. Did you know what that radio station does as people are going through? People are hearing music that glorifies the Lord, music that sings praise to our God. By the way, uh, Brother uh, Henry, you were telling me a couple weeks ago, we were at the car wash uh, early one Saturday morning, and you told me that next week you were back at the car wash, and I wasn't there, uh, but uh, there was somebody at that car wash that was just blaring the music. And you know what? People are not ashamed of their music. You know what's amazing? People are not ashamed of their music, and in many cases, they ought to be. When the music's got cursing and the music is vulgar and the music is obscene and people are not ashamed of that, I want to tell you this, God's people ought not be ashamed to sing praise to our God. We should sing among the heathen. We should sing among the nations. Psalm 92, it is a good thing to sing praise to our God. Don't ever be ashamed of doing a good thing, singing praise to God. The Bible tells us we will be singing in heaven but we see that there's an action required. God wants his people to act. Singing requires action. Number two, singing praise to our rock requires an acknowledgement. Notice what it says in verse two. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. You know why we come before God's presence? Because we're thankful. Because of what he's done for us. As the lady sang, we could never praise him enough. We could never thank him enough. We could never, ever express enough how good our God has been. We ought to acknowledge God in thanksgiving. We ought to acknowledge God in our worship. The Bible says in verse number six, let us worship and bow down. It says, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. You know what it means to bow down? You know what it means to kneel? it means that we are placing ourselves in a position of humility. We are bowing down and we are recognizing that we are not God. We are not even close. We don't even, we don't even measure up in God's standards. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but we have the privilege to worship our God. Notice what it says in verse 3. For the Lord, there's the name Jehovah. We saw that last week in Psalm 91. For the Lord is a great God, Elohim. We talked about that last week. He is a great king above all gods. Now, this is not a trick question. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, and so please don't take it as such. But I'm just curious. I asked this in early service. How many of you in here, you grew up in, in, in a church similar to this church? It may not have been a, a Baptist church, but it was a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And, and how many of you grew up in a church like this? I mean, something similar, all right? Okay, a lot of hands. All right, put your hands down. I did as well. I grew up in a church very similar to this. 
We never got up in the morning and when it was time to pray, we never asked, um, Dad, which God are we praying to today? We never got ready for church on Sunday and said, now, which God are we going to worship today? Well, we never had to walk into a room and say, now, which of these idols are we going to bow down to today? But I want to remind you that for the nation of Israel, they were surrounded by nations that had many gods. The nation of Israel was unique in that there was only one God that they worshipped. The nations around them, they worshipped the sun and they worshipped the moon and they worshipped the stars and they worshipped the sea and they worshipped everything you could imagine. They even made up some stuff to worship. But David makes it very clear here in this passage that the one that we're worshipping, he is a great God. He is a great king. He is above all gods. I think sometimes we just take for granted the fact that we know God. I think sometimes we just take for granted that somebody cared enough to teach us that God is the only God. But I want to tell you, there are people in this world that don't even know God. They don't even know who He is. And yet we know Him. And He's done so much for us. How we ought to lift our voices and how we ought to sing praise to Him and how we ought to acknowledge Him. Notice, if you would, verse number 6. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. He is the one that created us. Verse number four, in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. I don't do a lot of exploring. I'm not, I'm not, you know this, I'm not big on camping and I'm not big on nature. I mean, if there's a good trail, you know, I'll do it. And if there's a, if there's a mountain with, with guardrails, I'll go up to those guardrails but I'm not into mountain climbing. I'm not into exploring. I'm not going, I'm not into all that stuff. I've seen some pretty awesome documentaries on it, you know, but that's about the extent of it. But maybe for some of you, you you've been to the tops of some great mountains. Maybe you've been in those low valleys. Maybe some of you have been out on the oceans. I don't know if there's anybody here. I know in the early service we had a few, but maybe you've done scuba diving, going into the deep, deep places of the ocean. I would say to that, no, thank you. I'm not interested in that either. Some of you love it. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter where you go. You go to the highest mountain. You go to the lowest valley. You could go down in the deepest sea. And everything that you see, everywhere your foot touches, I want to tell you, God made that. It says he formed it with his hand. You know what that means? That means there were no accidents in creation. That means that God didn't mess up. God didn't make a mistake. I want to tell you, we ought to acknowledge how great our God is. He is our maker. He is a great king. Well, he is a great king, but I wonder this morning, is he your king? You know what a king does? The king calls the shots. The king speaks and people listen. I want to tell you, we ought to listen when our God speaks. Notice the admonition is found in verse 7, and here it is. Here's what we ought to do for our king. It says in verse 7, He is our God. We are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if ye will hear His voice. You see, you can't call Him your King. And you can't call Him your Lord. And you can't call Him your God if you don't even listen to what He says. If you don't even care that God is speaking today. Friend, I want to tell you, don't tune Him out. 
We got so many voices in this world, don't we? Seems like so many people are trying to get our attention and so many people are trying to pull us away. But David says, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, that's the rebellion that the nation of Israel had in the wilderness in the day of temptation. It says, when your fathers tempted me, they proved me. And they saw my work 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. The children of Israel in Exodus 17, they tempted God. It was at the place of Meribah. It was at the place of Massa where they tempted God. We preached about this. It's been a while back. I preached a message on this. But here's what they did to tempt God. They said, hey, we're thirsty. We don't have any water to drink. Hey, God, what's the problem? And then they said this. Is God among us or not? Wait a second. Are you asking if God is real? Are you asking if God is there? Because that's the same God that brought you out of Egypt. That's the same God that sent the plagues on Pharaoh. That's the same God that parted the Red Sea. And now you're saying, God, are you even real? Notice with me, if you would, we see the admonition is to hear his voice. The children of Israel did not hear his voice, but instead they hardened their heart. They rebelled. They, they tempted God. They tested God. They even denied that God was even real. Turn with me if you will. Hold your place in Psalm 95. Would you turn your place with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 3. I read a stat this last week, and I understand some statistics. You don't know exactly how they were come about. I hope this is not true, but I read this stat. The stat says that there are 43% of millennials that do not believe that God exists or they don't know if he exists or if he does exist, they don't care. 43% of millennials in this country. And I tell you, that's a problem. I want to tell you the fact that you're alive is because God exists. The fact that we're breathing today, the fact that our heart is beating today, the fact that your mind is working, the fact that you can see, the fact that you can hear, the fact that you can talk and walk, it is because there is a God in heaven. But yet 43% of millennials have said, we don't know, we don't care, or we're not even sure if God exists. Look with me, if you would, Hebrews chapter 3. Verse number seven, we see this Psalm 95 is quoted in Hebrews 3. It's also quoted in Hebrews 4. It says, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if ye will hear his voice, verse eight of Hebrews 3, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and, and proved me and saw my works 40 years. Verse 11, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse number 19, we see, uh, so that they could not enter in, they could not enter into the promised land 
because of their hearts being hard, because they wouldn't listen to the voice of God. But here's what verse 19 says. They could not enter in because of unbelief. The admonition is don't harden your heart. The admonition is don't tune God out. The admonition is you better listen, but here's the application. The application is that because they hardened their heart, because they did not worship God, because they did not acknowledge God, the Bible says that God's wrath was poured out and they were not able to enter into the promised land. They had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. The Bible says that they could not enter in to their rest. Uh, the, the promised land was a picture of rest. It was a rest from the wandering, rest from the struggles, rest from the toils of the wilderness. So here's the application. How do we keep our hearts soft? Have you ever found, I'm not talking about somebody else, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me. Have you ever found that sometimes your heart gets a little hard? Maybe it's because of something somebody does or something somebody says, or maybe it's the circumstances of life. Maybe it's because of trials. Maybe it's because of sorrows or burdens or whatever it may be, but you, you find that you start getting a little hard. Well, I'll tell you this. When your heart gets hard, that's an indication that you're not praising God. That's an indication I'm not praising God. When our hearts become hard, it's an indication that we're not worshiping God. You know what we're doing? We're taking our eyes off of God and we're putting our eyes on the problem. And our hearts become hard. Notice also, your heart becomes hard when you stop listening to God. You see, if I'm going to have a good relationship, a close relationship with my wife, I've got to talk to her and I've got to listen to her. What if I listen to everybody else? What if I listen and, and this person's telling me this and this friend at work's telling me this and uh, this neighbor over here is telling me this and all of that? Is if I'm not listening to her and I'm not talking to her, my heart's going to get hard towards her because I'm not listening. And I want to tell you, I've seen it many times where people become hardened to the things of God. And here's why. They stop listening to God. They stop reading his word. They stop coming to church. They stop coming to Sunday school. They stop coming on Wednesday nights. They stop coming to revival meetings. They stop spending time with God. And the next thing you know, we've crowded God out of our lives. And of course, our hearts are hardened to God if we're not even listening to him. So here's the application. The promised land was the land of rest, and yet they could not enter into the rest. Uh, God said, they shall not enter into my rest. We get to the New Testament. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, rest is not found in religion. Rest is not found in self. Rest is not found in money. Rest is not found in fame. Those things will drive you crazy because you'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough fame. You'll never have enough people talking good about you. And in religion, you can never do enough. 
The religions of the world, they say this, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. But Christianity says it's already been done. Jesus did it all. He hung on the cross and he said it is finished. He did all the work. He paid all the price. Jesus, it didn't pay 98% and he's counting on you to pay the last 2%. He paid 100% and you and I can rest in him. But the Bible says this, they could not enter into their rest because of unbelief. I have in my pocket, I have a, a very, to you it won't seem like a big deal. It looks like a screw or a bolt, but it's, it's plastic. This is a fastener uh, for a, a shutter that goes on the side of a house. And um, this, this fastener, was something that I was missing in my life for a long time. We had a storm that came through and one of my shutters got knocked down and I didn't have one of these. Well, how many of you know if you don't have one of these, that's okay, something else will work, you think, right? I want to tell you this. There is not a duct tape in Roanoke Rapids that will stick to a shutter and stick to brick. It, 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 it doesn't, I've tried it. They don't make a super glue or a crazy glue, or an atomic glue, or whatever you want to call it. They don't make that that works on brick and works on a, a, a plastic shutter. doesn't work. I tried everything. I'd get that thing propped up because I didn't have this. And I thought, I'll find something else that will work. And so I propped it up. I even put this, this you, you're going you're to laugh at me, but this is just how desperate I was. I even put a little screw in the brick so that it would prop it up. Boy, it looked so good till the first wind came through. And whenever it got windy, about every day I was going back out there and I was propping that shutter back up on its spot just so it didn't look like, you know, pastor doesn't know how to take care of his house. Although don't look too closely, you'll see other things. But something amazing happened. One day I got frustrated. And one day I got online and I said, I'm going to find the right piece. I ordered these. I think it was 10 of them for about $8 or something like that. I don't know. And you know what the amazing thing was? I only needed one, but I got 10 of them. I got backups. Isn't that a blessing? And I went out there and I put that fastener in that shutter. I haven't had to touch it since. The winds have come, the storms have come, uh, all that stuff. The kids have climbed up the house and on the roof and everything else, and that shutter still has not come down. But here's the problem. There was only one thing that would work to fix the problem. And I want to tell you here today that you can try all you want to to find peace, you can try all you want to to find rest in your life, but you'll never find it until you find Jesus. You can try to prop up your life, try to arrange your life. You can do a, a, a hundred million things and you can try all this stuff and you can run yourself ragged. But at the end of the day, you will not have rest and you will not have peace until you come to know Jesus Christ. That's true for salvation. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you know what's going to keep you from heaven? One thing. It's found right here. Unbelief. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be 
saved. So you know what that means? If you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be saved. But not just for salvation, but for peace in your life. For rest in your life. You'll never have peace until you let Jesus have control. We used to sing in our youth group back in Illinois, we sing a little chorus. Let the Lord have his way in your life every day. There's no rest, there's no peace until the Lord has his way. Place your life in his hand, rest secure in his plan. Let the Lord, let the Lord have his way. I want to tell you, you won't have rest and you won't have peace until you let the Lord have his way. Say, Pastor, how do I let the Lord have his way? How do I just, how do I give it over to God? Because if you're like me, you give stuff over to God and you try to take it back real quick, don't you? Here it is. It's by faith. They enter not into their rest because of unbelief. They hardened their heart because they didn't believe that God really could. They, they hardened their heart because they did not listen to God. And friend, how do you turn it over to God? By faith. By faith, you take your hands off and you say, Lord, I can't do it. I've tried for years. I've tried with my job. I've tried my relationships. I've tried with my schedule. I've tried with my finances. I've tried in all these areas. But God, I'm turning it over to you. And can I tell you, you will be amazed at the peace that you will have in your life when you just let God have his way. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.